Hello and welcome back to the Odin's Light podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to the director of The Honeymoon Phase, Philip Carroll, and the stars of the film, Chloe Carroll and Jim Shubin. Now, if you haven't seen the film, drop everything, go and watch it now because it is fantastic. And if you have seen it, stay tuned because this is a spoiler cast. We're going to go into a deep dive into what inspired the film, the background behind it, some great stories from on the set. But yeah, if you haven't watched it yet... I warn you, it is going to spoil it. So I'm joined here today with Philip Carroll, Chloe Carroll and Jim Shubin. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having us today. We, we couldn't be more excited, excited to speak with you about the movie. So, Philip, you wrote and directed the film, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And Chloe and Jim, you obviously star in it. Yeah. I love the opening line, uh, that knowledge gap that you just you start with keeps you hooked throughout because the whole time you're trying to figure out, you know, how is that question going to get answered? Really love the dialogue as well. That romance between the characters felt really authentic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, with the opening line... Um... It was inspired by the story structure of American Beauty. Uh, it was one of my favorite films growing up, and I loved how it kind of posed this question at the beginning, uh, where Lester's saying that in less than a year he'll be dead, and the whole time you're wondering, you know, how's he going to die? You know, what this guy, you know, he seems like he has a good enough suburban life, and you know, why is his life going to end in a year? Um, so I wanted to do something at the beginning of the honeymoon phase to kind of pose a question like that, that would, you know, uh, really grab the audience's attention at the beginning. Um, and then, Jim, I don't know if you can elaborate from, from your perspective as the character, you know, that, that opening scene. Um, uh, certainly from my perspective as the character, to, to be playing two different characters and then starting the show off as one and then appearing as another almost immediately, I think, is fun because you don't know that that's going to happen. So the dichotomy of it I find fascinating. And we originally shot that scene was way longer. Um, and in the deleted scenes coming out September 29th, right? That whole monologue will be in there. Right. Yeah, it was a much longer scene. That was the whole first day of filming. And um, I love the fact that you're seeing two different sides without knowing that that's what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Jim, why don't you just perform the whole original monologue? <laughs> <laughs> that was two and a half years ago. You think I remember that? <laughs> so it's taken two and a half years to get uh, to where you are now. <laughs> yeah, we filmed in February of 2018. And I understand that you started with the climatic scenes. How were those days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we uh, do, you know, when you're making a, a film of any size, you have to work around schedules. And uh, at an indie film level, it's even more, you know, important to, to have, uh, you know, to have the ability to do anything at a moment's notice. And when we found out we had to shoot all the climactic scenes in the first five days, you know, I think there was probably a moment of shock for all of us, um, especially for Jim and Chloe, who, you know, we were lucky enough to have five different rehearsal days beforehand over the course of a month and a half. Um, but still, it's a, it's a different thing when you have the camera on you and, you know, there's some really intimate scenes that we had to shoot within those first couple of days. Um, so it, it was very difficult. And I think if we, were, uh, if we were to do this all over again, we'd probably start the first couple of days with something a little easier if we could. Um, but, you know, I, I think it turned out well in the end, uh, even though we had to start with that really hard stuff. I mean, literally the ending of the film is shot on the first day. And uh, 
since we are going into spoilers, we can talk about it. The, the big spoiler alert here, the Tom versus Tom scene where, you know, uh, the two Toms are competing for Eve. That scene was day four. What a hell of a way to end our first week, Jim. <laughs> you know, having to do probably the most technically intensive scene of the whole shoot. Um, Especially Eve since we rewrote it. Yeah, the, it, yeah. the day before we rewrote the scene, because uh, we, you know, through talking with Jim and Chloe, we just found something was was missing at the core of the scene. Um, so they were uh, nice enough to speak with me the day before the shoot and kind of work work through it. And then that night, I pretty much spent all night rewriting it and handed Jim and Chloe those new pages first thing in the morning. And I think Chloe didn't have any changes, but Jim had had a lot. Six pages. <laughs> I woke Six up pages. <laughs> I woke up the next morning and I was like looking like please don't anything have changed in my dialogue and mine was all perfectly the same and it was like all of Jim's lines were changed and I was like oh man that sucks for Jim <laughs> I'm gonna relearn all these lines <laughs> How long did you get, Jim? we were all staying in the house at the time and we all got in the car and no one said anything and we got to set and they walked up to me while I was in the makeup chair and they was like hey here's new six new pages we start in an hour <laughs> well, to be fair, you, you pull it off like you wouldn't know. Well, thank you. <laughs> a team effort for sure. No, and uh, you know, to to the team's credit, it was the, I think the discovery that we made was um, originally in that scene, if I remember correctly, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong here, going back two and a half years. Um, I think nine two three wasn't originally in that scene. I think that was the thing that was missing. Okay. And we we talked about, it and we were like, that was the very first thing that. Tom would say to her, um, regardless of if it was clone Tom, regular Tom, at that point, both of them knew about this 923. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to find a way to, to put that in there. And then from there, the scene really became a, a ping pong back and forth of each Tom kind of saying something that Eve, you know, thought that only her lover would know. Um, so it became a really heartbreaking, you know, match basically of, of ping pong <laughs> is what that seed is well, technically it must have been difficult to shoot because you put it off i mean you, you don't question there's two toms there how's that because uh, i'm sure a lot of filmmakers would be interested to know what challenges you would have had shooting one actor for two roles so uh, i'll give you the technical uh perspective and then jim i guess you can talk about the acting perspective because i'm sure mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing um but we, when we originally started shooting the scene, we had all this complex camera work with, with a Ronin, you know, for the, to give us these really great steady shots down the hallway. And uh, unfortunately, it decided to act up on that day. And it got really frustrating. The equipment wasn't working. It was mm -hmm. interfering with the performances. We were on little sleep. Jim just got new dialogue. Chloe was trying to figure out what was going on, you know, reacting to that new dialogue. So it was just a whole mess of, of stuff happening. Mm -hmm. um, and around lunchtime that day, um, you know, I went to Chloe and I was like, Chloe, I, I don't think we have the scene. Like this, this is like the most important scene in the movie and I don't think it's working. So we, you know, we kind of got quiet and ate our lunch and then regrouped afterwards. And I talked to our AD, Ben Samuel. Um, and I was like, Ben, is there any way that, you know, you can carve out time today for us to, to redo it? <laughs> Lucky enough, we had, we had a bunch of blood effects at the back end of the day. Um, and Doug Sackman, our special effects uh, lead, was prepping all that stuff. So Ben was basically like, look, you got pretty much until, until Doug's done prepping the, the special effects to reshoot whatever you want. 
So we just went handheld and pretty much reshot the entire scene in like an hour. Like it was so intense. Jim was basically just going back and forth playing both characters. We had the whole hallway lit so we could just grab whatever we needed. Right. Um, and pretty much everything that's in that scene is from that, that last hour of <laughs> shooting. It was, it was intense. Um, but that's think- Jim and Chloe. They, they did such a fantastic job. I think maybe that comes across, especially with the handheld camera work, because of what's happening in the scene. Maybe that would work better than the Ronin anyway. I think so, too. It, it just gave it a lot more of a raw emotional feel to it, where you're kind of on the ground with them going through this horrific situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we did like every trick in the book with the clone stuff where, uh, you know, Jim would play one character and then run around the camera as we were slowly panning to Eve and then come around to the other side of the frame right. and perform the other character. Um, we did tricks where we would um, film the one side and then because it was a white wall, it was really easy to uh, merge the shots together in post with VFX. So as we would pan, we, we would just do a split frame and, and merge them. Um, and then just kind of the, the whole way itself lent really well to this left versus right. Like we always kept the one Tom on the left side of the frame and the other Tom on the right side of the frames and Eve's constantly kind of in the center fighting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jim, what, what about from your perspective with the performance, how did you juggle all of that? Uh, well, there wasn't a lot of time to think about it. And it was more just what the hell is my next line. And then at one point you even said, just make up some facts about you and Eve. Like just, so what is what are like what's important dates for you two? Just go. And then that was that was my favorite second favorite shot in the movie is where you start on real time and then it pans past Eve dealing with it and it goes the other. And while I'm running behind and under the camera, I'm shouting information, and then I show up on the other side. And Ben was standing in the spot there. Our AD was standing in the spot I was supposed to be, and I would jump into that spot so it was accurate. And then he jumped behind the camera, so that we could continue that. <laughs> scene literally run and gunning right oh yeah yeah 100 percent. but he, i i think it gives a sort of i mean for me desperation to the performance because i didn't know what was going on at the time and i was just trying to say anything and everything that might get a shot done in an hour but it was also one of the funnest days to be fair mm. we had all sorts of fun effects and chloe was in the middle of everything the whole time running around her so uh, chloe what about you I just had it like really easy, really. I was just stood there and it was Jim doing all the running around. I, the only thing I had to pretend is he was still there <laughs> when he was doing his little run around. Um. Well, we actually, to, to help with those shots, uh, we had our, one of our behind the scenes photographers had a similar body shape to Jim and, and you know, dirty blonde hair. So we, uh, we threw him in one of the uniforms from the film and he was Jim's body double for that scene. So like, a lot of times you'll see a dirt, uh, shoulder dirty in the frame to just kind of help sell the fact that there's two of them. Right. And that was uh, this guy's mm-hmm. shoulder. Um, and then same thing with the close-up, I think, of the fork stabs. That's actually Jim's body double for, for that. Because um, it took Raquel, what, like five hours to do that? Yeah, it was a long time to do those. Because they're very detailed. <laughs> yeah. It well, looks like fork stabs. Yeah. What was funny with um, the guy who was doing Jim's stand-in is he had no idea he was going to be a stand-in that day. And um, I don't think had any acting experience. And we just kind of put him in Jim's shirt 
and he was doing the double scene. So like I, some of the scenes I was like emotionally like crying to him and he was looking at me like this off screen. Like, <laughs> I just, he, just, he felt so weird about like, and I was like, you know, you don't even have to look at me. Like you can look at the floor. Because <laughs> he was just, <laughs> he just felt so awful. Yeah, he, he was a trooper. Yeah. <laughs> Another scene which I wanted to cover was the, with the, the love scenes because it's a tough line to walk, making the scenes more than just the nudity. You know, it's, it's not just being lewd. It's, it's, it is actually important to the narrative. Yeah, so with the story being about a, a relationship, you know, in, in the honeymoon phase, you know, that's a, that is an important part of a lot of early relationships is kind of the physical intimacy. So when we set out to write the honeymoon phase, we knew there was gonna be a fair amount of, of love scenes in there um, with nudity. And the, the, I guess the main thing when I was writing it was, you know, no matter what, they all had to be story motivated. So yeah. none of the, the sex scenes in there are just gratuitous for the sake of having sex. Like all of them move the story forward. You know, the story is about knowing who your lover is. And I think at a very uh, fundamental level, you know, that Tom and Eve were, were bearing their whole physical selves to each other in the film. So it, it was important. And I don't think any of it is uh, gratuitous or, you know, um, like it's tastefully done, I guess is the, yeah. the word. We tried to do everything tastefully done. I guess for me, the most important thing was that everyone felt comfortable mm. to do something like that. And I, I think Phil is right. When I first read the script, I thought, wow, that's a lot of sex. But if you go back and look at it, you go, well, there's never a point where there's, it doesn't make sense for this to happen. And there's not something that happens within that scene that drives the next plot point forward to allow things to keep happening. Mm -hmm. So if you take those scenes out, your plot holes begin to happen. We had very long talks about how they were gonna be shot. I remember during our rehearsals, we would talk through camera angles and what's gonna be seen, what's not gonna be seen. It was all very carefully choreographed and that really takes the sexiness out of it as an actor. If you're like, okay, and now I'm going to shift my shoulders forward and then back and then forward, are you good with that? Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. And half the time it's good you can't see our faces because we're laughing. Um, <laughs> that was and, the blocking was just horrible. You know, having to move body parts around and, and somehow try and direct you off camera to be like, can you just lower your shoulder, like you were saying, like lower your shoulder a little bit. And yeah, like, well, that's not how I grab someone's hip and he's like, right, but can you just like do this now? And for me, again, the trust thing was both not only with Phil and Chloe, but my wife had to be okay with it. Sure. And she was very understanding. Joan was great. And I said, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. These are what the scenes are. And if you have a problem with this, I won't take the job. Mm. And she was super supportive. And she is truly, in my opinion, the unsung hero of this whole movie. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> she put up with so much stuff. <laughs> And she's seen every like festival and showing and iteration of this movie that's come out. And she sits through all of it like a pro. It's uh, yeah. In the, in the moment, it doesn't feel sexy. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's often what they say actors. Cause it's not, it's not a sexy scenario. For no. either. You've got the sound guy and the gaffer and the cameraman and all these people looking on you. It, it's vulnerable. You, you know, it, I, I thought it was very tastefully done. Oh, I, I just, <laughs> Like Jim said, you just feel like it's just funny and you just feel stupid because like on my close-ups in like the doggy scene, like I've just got like the guy like reflecting the light off my face, like right next to me off camera. And you <laughs> know, trying not to yeah, make eye while contact. I'm pretending like to rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's 
it. Like when, <laughs> when you're doing it, it's just like so hard to pretend like it's sexual. But I think it looks fine when you watch the movie. The scene with the birth, where did that go? Because that is hilarious. Like, where did oh, that go? Yeah, so we, um, we knew that we wanted a scene in the movie to, uh, you know, give Tom this idea of wanting to have a child. So we, we had to have him see a baby for the first time because he is the clone version, so he's never seen an infant before. Um, and with it being a horror movie, I thought it'd be kind of fun to shoot a movie within a movie where there's an infant and do it the polar opposite of what the honeymoon phase is and make it like a schlocky, you know, teen horror movie. So, you know, we got the cheerleader outfit, we got the jock, we, we had a barn right outside the, uh, the set. So we were like, oh, let's just grab some hay bales and we'll make it this schlocky little horror movie. Um, and that was like one of the most fun days of the shoot that came like, I think it was like dead middle of, of our shoot. So by then we had shot some really intense stuff and it was like the perfect opportunity to have some levity to it, you know, where it was like, okay, let's just have fun for an hour and just shoot some crappy horror footage. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And our, uh, our AD, Ben, played the jock. Yes. Right, I was going to ask, right, okay. So it was a crew member who, he did it well, to be fair. He, he did, he did. Uh, and he, he, he took the load of blood to the face really well. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, talk about, you, you mentioned a couple of times starting with intense scenes, but I, speaking from our experience, we preferred that. And I don't know if you feel, feel the same, where it sets a tone for the production. And I think it's better for it. Would you agree with that? I would, um, I, I agree with it, but I would, I would still like probably a day or two before. Like uh, I'm okay front loading it with a lot of the intense stuff, but I think it would have been great just to get warmed up a little bit more. Mm. Um, Cause we like, also just to figure out some logistical things. Like we had some, some challenges on day two where um, we were trying to find a stunt harness because the one didn't arrive in time um for for the hanging scene with with chloe and jess and rob pulled off some magic and and found like a stunt network in the area and they were able to you know meet up with somebody and grab one um but like little things like that it would have been great i think to to have but i i do agree with you that it did set the tone for the rest of the shoot so i think just one or two extra days at the front would have been nice (laughs) Jim, jim and chloe do you have a preference on it yeah i would have liked to have not done it first if I had a preference, but whatever production needs is fine. <laughs> I would have liked a couple days, but to be fair, it made it a lot easier to do everything else because it was <laughs> like jumping into the deep end. You go, well, now whatever you want, I can do basically. Because by we got to day four for the the Tom versus Tom scene, and I thought, okay, I I've pretty much done everything I'm gonna do in this movie besides the cute stuff. So let's just do it. Right. Independent productions. You know, you, you have a tight schedule. You're trying to cram a lot of stuff in. Sometimes stuff isn't working and you have to then redo it all as fast as you can because it's the only day on that set or in that location or whatever. And um, yeah, it set the tone of like, doesn't matter what happens, you're just going to go and you're not going to wait and you're not going to be afraid because if you take the time to think about it, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's little things that you pick up with your team that I think would have been helpful too with like, like Jim and Chloe, something that I, I don't even actually know if we dis- if we discussed this yet. But one of the things that I learned after a couple of days was that when we started a new scene, we would start with Jim shots first and then go to Chloe's. And that was because Jim loved to play. Like it, we, we pretty much just ran scenes like a bunch of different ways where I could throw, a, throw an idea to you and then you would run off with it. 
And mm-hmm. Chloe, you'd like to kind of refine where you would like seeing what Jim did, kind of get an understanding of the scene and then kind of come to your close-ups already with something built in the back of your head. So on all those scenes, we would, you know, shoot Jim first, then Chloe. And I think no, knowing that, you know, that's like a discovery that we made week one, but that would have been helpful for some of the intense scenes, you know, to, to know that that was the preferred way of doing it. I, I think you told me that like one day after the set, you were like, Jim can kind of get it straight away and like, you're not good till three takes in. <laughs> not, not that it's not good. It's just a pr- process, process. Yeah. <laughs> Different processes. Yes. So that would have been, that kind of thing is helpful. And just knowing like, you know, just team dynamics, you know, with, with the crew and, and yeah. So it's kind of an yeah. easy scene, I think, to start would have been good. <laughs> you, earlier on, you mentioned, uh, well, with the opening lines, you took the inspiration from American Beauty. Uh, I thought there were parallels between Jack from The Shining and Tom. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, it definitely was an inspiration, The Shining, uh, Rosemary's Baby, Mm-hmm. Uh, Fatal Attraction, you know, all those kind of classic like slow burn horror thriller movies is kind of where we took our inspiration from. I think The Shining was one of the DVDs I gave to Jim to watch, you know, before we, we came to set. Jim, do you have any inspirations for your, your you know, creation of Tom? You had me watch Ex Machina before. Mm-hmm. That was and I loved what that movie did and the claustrophobia that it created mm-hmm. even with those really open like beautiful outdoor scenes everything felt very hemmed in and and tight uh, and obviously the performances in it are just stunning i was trying to think i remember i had a whole list i could try to find a notebook of everything i wrote down but i had a list of random characters that that helped depending on the scene because then like phil said i just like to play and you say jim be really freaked out right now or jim i need you to be very loud it's like, okay, whatever you want. And I'll just do it. And if it sticks, great. And if it doesn't, or something comes up. But yeah, Ex Machina was the one you sent me that changed my perspective about what the movie was going to be the most. Because mm. we watched Rosemary's Baby. I know The Shining very well. But also The Shining is him kind of losing his mind versus him not being himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So I did much more than looking at the way... I watched a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff from The Shining, which was great to watch. Watching Jack Nicholson go through his process is so cool. Right, I'll have to see that. He's a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was another uh, reference in the camera work, because you used the dolly zoom uh, at one point, and, I, and yeah. I really liked that. So it wasn't just in the screenplay that you're also referring back to classic camera movie. Yeah, yeah. Our, um, you know, our DP, Joe Staley, and I really wanted to avoid the film just solely becoming like a shot reverse shot coverage inside a house. Um, so we, we really tried to find spots where we could sprinkle in creative camera movements to, to help sell the story. Um, you know, again, all story uh, motivated. So we, we pull out the toys when it's appropriate. Um, and that was one of them, you know, but behind the door is this great answer to the question of what has Tom been writing for the past month? Um, so when we have that perspective changing, Zolly, you know, it kind of, uh, gives the audience a clue that, you know, that her perspective is about to change on things. Um, so we tried kind of employing those, you know, those classic horror camera moves where we could. I felt like the theme of the film as well was domestic abuse and gaslighting in particular. Is, was, was that what you were getting at? Or was that sort of a happy sense? Well, happy, maybe not the right word, but and I, I really like what you did about it because it really puts a spotlight on that. Yeah, we wanted to kind of use a genre film 
as a way to explore some of those themes that you're referring to with like domestic abuse and, and uh, hyper masculinity. And, mm. um, you know, I, because sometimes you, if, if you do that in a drama, it may turn off a certain audience that aren't interested in being spoon fed a, a, an agenda or something like that. So we kind of used the, the format of a genre film to kind of do the, you know, like the Mary Poppins adage, like the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So we explore kind of these hard hitting themes within the framework of a horror film, um, which was really fun to do because, you know, hopefully we got to the core of some issues by using sci-fi and horror as a way to explore that stuff. What do you feel about that, Chloe? You know, I feel like it was a good way to explore those themes. I know that it can be upsetting for some people, but the whole like theme of the film was to show like how awful it can be too when the the hero doesn't win. Mm. You know, um, but yeah, I think it was a, a good way to do it. I think you wrote it really well. What was your favorite day on set? That's a question for all of you. <sighs> favorite day on set. I don't think I've ever asked you that. Yeah, no, I, it, it's funny. That's the first time I think we've ever got that question. Um, Jim, you're smiling. Do you, do you have an answer? Or you have. Uh, a... I'm thinking through all the things that happened on set, or like the days where we were up to one o'clock in the morning, or like. Uh, the last day on set was so much fun because it was for for what we're going to say that we filmed a lot of the intense scenes in the first couple of days the last day on set is was the most intense day because it was the curling iron scene we did like that whole fight the monologue the curling iron all of that stuff happened on the last day of set and as much as everything that went wrong happened on that day it was also such a fun day because we had so much that we wanted to get done and so many it's not the penultimate scene, but it's that scene that you hope people go, oh, guys, that movie with the curling iron, though? That's yeah. a messed up movie. It was this moment in the movie that when everyone read the script went, oh, God, that's... Uh. So we were all very excited to film it. <laughs> and, and we were also, at that point, we were all so in sync. Like Phil said and, and Chloe mentioned that we have the time to kind of figure out what everyone's pace is and how to do the shots and how to line stuff up. So that was really great uh, as well, because we were really in sync at that point as a team. And it was kind of a bummer that the last shot we did and they said, all right, guys, that's a film wrap. And you're like, can we do more though? <laughs> we finally got our stride. <laughs> uh, but I love that scene for everything that, that we did that day. It was great. Yeah. I love the way it looks. I think for me, it's more of like a favorite scene than a day, uh, like you said, um, morbidly, the hanging scene, because the rig that was built kept twirling me round and not in like a creepy, like she's hanging slowly way. It was like a, like I was going about to do like a jazz twirl. <laughs> and um, then Savio's EAD had to like be underneath me and hold my feet so that I wouldn't turn and we have like BTS of that um, actually coming out in the bonus features. And it's When's that? So they come out on the... Uh, in the US and Canada on September 29th, our, um, the DVD comes out with all the special features behind the scenes, deleted scenes. And then if you have the Apple TV iTunes version, um, the same behind the scenes unlock. So uh, Apple is our exclusive digital partner with the behind the scenes and then the DVD also has it. Hopefully we'll get a UK release in the near future. I, I know Dark Sky is working on that right now. Um, 
but uh, we, we look forward to releasing there soon. It's really hard, I think, as a, the director parent to separate, you know, all the days out and say, this one's my favorite because all of it was just such a joy to be able to, you know, live out your dream for a month and make a movie. Mm. But um, thinking on it, I think the one day that it was just so much fun for me was the final dinner scene between Tom and Eve where Eve's basically held captive at this point and Tom's cooking her, you know, pancakes for dinner and it's just this silent night's playing and then we get to the part, the point where they're dancing and it's just this like gleeful, horrific, you know, scene to, to witness. Like I, I love when horror meets, you know, joy, you know, you have like happy music playing but something really horrible's happening and, uh, you know, Tom's... <laughs> Tom's humming Silent Night. And I just remember sitting on the floor behind the counter and just kind of trying not to laugh. It, it was just so screwed up and just your performances were just so heartbreaking in that moment. And with you trying your best not to look him in the eye and Tom trying to get her to look him in the eye. And it was just this, just wonderful scene. Like I, that's pretty much like, and I'm sure you know as a filmmaker, like when you break your film into reels, um, it almost gets like ingrained in me when I watch the movie. I'm like, okay, reel three starting now, reel four starting now. And that scene's like the start of our final reel, which is pretty much like the last 20 minutes of like nonstop something happening. Um, so it's, that's always a point too in the movie where I'm like, oh yes, here we go. Like this is where the good stuff is. <laughs> what was the most challenging day on set for you? One of the hardest scenes to shoot was this stupid <laughs> scene at the top of reel three where um, it's the day after the LSD cookie scene and Tom and Eve aren't talking to each other sitting at a table. And I don't know what it was about this scene. It was fine in rehearsals and it wasn't Chloe and Jim. They were doing great. But there was just something that just wasn't clicking for me where I'm like, I don't know what it is if I'm just bored by this scene at this point or like, or what. But I think sometimes the hardest things to shoot are things where people aren't doing anything and you have to find a way to make it entertaining and real not that it's easy to act big things but like you can you can get creative you know with your imagination but when you're just sitting there you know try not to talk to each other it's 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 hard to kind of be spontaneous and creative um not just for talent but like for the crew too it's like how do we cover this in an interesting way where we're not going to get bored out of our minds you know by the end of the scene so for me and that, that was, was one of the best scenes in rehearsal too yeah. Every time we did it, we were like, this scene's gonna be great. <laughs> it was like more like different parts were stressful for me. Um, anything early morning. For me as an actor, like I felt like in, when I watched, we watched the dailies at the end of the day for that scene, um, which is like just after the Curl and Iron um, scene where she's talking to the director. And like, I thought I had all this stuff going on in my face. And then I watched the scene and I was like, oh my God, that's not reading how I wanted it to at all. Like, it just looks like I'm a shitty actor. And I was like, I just think that we need to redo it. <laughs> and we had like one day where we could. And I was like, do you agree? And Phil was like, absolutely. And we redid it. And it was just a, it's just one of those times where you think you're doing something with your face as an actor, you know, like you're really conveying the scene and then you watch it and you're like, oh my God, it just wasn't reading at all. Um, so that was the most frustrating for me because then you know you have to do the scene again. And I think we, uh, Jim already did it. Jim's was great, so we just used his close-ups with mine. Uh, well, I, I feel like Jim, Jim was just more experienced than me, so it just took me a bit longer to get everything. No, no, no. Not, the... Not in any way. So, Philip, this is your first film as director, is that right? Yes. So, 
going in, what didn't you know? I guess there's a few things, but what really sticks in your mind that you didn't realize going in that you know now? Everything. Right? <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that is funny to a certain point. That's true. I, I think when to make your first feature on an independent level, you have to be, uh, you know, very naive, like in a good way. Like I, I think if you knew how challenging it would be, you probably wouldn't do it. I didn't. I didn't know how uh, how I would have to be as a producer, also an accountant, um, for doing like tax credit paperwork and stuff. Um, for for Chloe, you know, Chloe was um, very much like a creative producer on this, and when her time was done with the production and the edit, you pretty much got to move on then to other projects. Um, but me as kind of one of the lead producers with Jess Weiss there's stuff on the back end that they never tell you in film school that you have to do. And like, we got a tax credit for, for our film, which was phenomenal. Um, but that was a whole, you know, like two, three month long process where I was basically an accountant where I had to add up, you know, all the various kinds of taxes that were spent on the film and, you know, like hotel tax and, and uh, how many, you know, uh, Pennsylvania crew members were on the film and, you know, do all of this logistical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, that also continued to the distribution. Um, actually, you guys are going through it now, uh, probably, but delivery. Um, delivery was a whole thing that um, I did not know going into this process where it's like, okay, you need a bunch of different versions of the film. You need um, you know, a dialogue continuity list, contracts. And I remember getting that paperwork for the first time and just being completely overwhelmed. Like I just, I put it down and I was like, I'm going to play video games for an hour because I just can't, (laughs) I can't process that there's a whole, legitimately a whole nother phase of this production that I now have to go into that I didn't know about prior to making the movie. So I I totally agree with you that it's a side of filmmaking, which nobody really talks about because it's not that exciting for most people, but if you're producing, you've got to do it. But I'm glad that, because I've spoken with other filmmakers and they haven't had such stringent uh, deliverables. And I know the Dark Sky, because you guys have been Dark Sky as well, um, yes. they are very thorough, but I feel that gives me confidence in them. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I to- totally sympathize with your, with your challenge. It was, uh, yeah, the administration side is, is a much bigger part of filmmaking than I think uh, most people realize. Yeah, can and- I have a question to that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm just curious. Does from that experience, do you think you'd rather not be an executive producer on a film again and just stick with the creative side and allow someone else to be in charge of that, or do you like having a little bit more of the control that being executive producer gives you? Yeah, I I prefer the control, but I would love to have a bigger budget to where I could outsource some <laughs> some of the stuff. <laughs> still still have the responsibility and the control, but be able to afford somebody to come in and help with. Like for instance, like the tax credit stuff, I would have, like one of the things I've learned is on our expense sheet, I would have had, you know, Pennsylvania expenses labeled up front because that would have saved me so much time and going through every single receipt. And like, you know how receipts are, like they start fading pretty quickly, the ink, um, because they're so cheap. So like we're trying to decipher what each receipt says, you know, a year and a half after the fact that we we bought the stuff. so that would have been helpful with the deliverables. Um, we were lucky enough to have like a professional post team. So pretty much everything that we needed was 
uh, from from uh, the deliverable perspective ready in some form like uh, some of the like some of the audio tracks that just had to combine the reels and then re-export them but the paperwork stuff that that did take some time um, so I think knowing what I know now rather than waiting for distribution and then doing all of it I would probably do it earlier like during the festival process mm. um, that way it wasn't like a mad rush at the end where you're like okay here's the contract now you got 60 days to deliver all this stuff and it's like wait what like I, i've never done this before i have to figure all this out so yeah and how do you feel like um the film's performing are you, are you happy with the way it's been received yeah I, I i mean especially after our festival run <laughs> like we i think that was another thing that we learned um was just the you know you you spend all this money and you put your heart and soul into a movie and you expect then like, Oh, it'll be well received at festivals and everything. And then, and then that doesn't always happen. And we, we didn't premiere at a large festival. You know, we, we kind of did things opposite in a way where we got rejected from the majority of the top tier festivals premiered at a smaller local one, and then slowly started like climbing the ladder, I guess, to where we ended at Fright Fest a couple weeks ago, which was really cool. Um, but that whole you know festival process was just probably the most depressing part of the whole <laughs> the whole thing because you 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 create this baby and then you're waiting for people to tell you it's good enough and every time it's rejected you're sat there wondering you know why is it is it something specific in the film that I should cut out or or is it you know a taste thing uh, because so much of this is subjective like it might just be that somebody didn't like it because that's not their type of film. Um, so that part of it was, was depressing, the, the festival part, but then, you know, dark sky picked up the movie and then it kind of gave us a new renewed boost of confidence where we we're like, Oh my gosh, like dark skies, we know dark sky, you know, so many times you, you have a distributor reach out and you're like, I wouldn't watch any of their films. Um, and then dark sky, it's like, Oh my God, like we've, we've seen their films before and we love their films. Um, so we were excited about that. And then they've been absolutely fantastic creative partners, you know, running different things by us with, you know, the marketing and, um, you know, getting us really good placement on, on iTunes and Apple and Voodoo and everything. Um, so that by the time the release came, we felt really good. And from, from what we can tell, um, you know, we won't get any numbers back for at least a few months, but from what we can tell, it did, it did well for a film of its size. You know, we were in the top 20 on Apple opening weekend, which was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and um, that's really good. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So it seems like we're we're chugging along now. Um, now it's just a matter of keeping the momentum. Um, and like you were saying about what you didn't know, I think I also didn't know just how involved I would have to be on the you know the back end of things. Where mm -hmm. because we are a small production, you know, I'm running the social media. I have to find new things to post every day to keep interest going. And it's you know it's a new challenge, I guess. You know, trying to figure out how to maintain everybody on social media's attention, you know, while we're trying to keep the film in, you know, in the top 200 on iTunes, for instance, or, you know, now that the DVD is coming out, how do we re-excite people to pot potentially buy that? It's always, always a new challenge, but we're, we're really proud of our little film and, and, what's oh, been be. and the people that worked on it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been good to, to meet you and to chat through the film and, uh, well, I hope we have continued success. You say it's not out in the UK, but you're hoping to get distribution soon. Yes, yeah, Dark Sky's in, in talks with a few UK distributors. Um, so one way or another, we should be um, 
in the UK either end of this year, or early next year. Um, our Fright Fest screening, from what we can tell, went really good. Um, we, we got some really great feedback and reviews out of Fright Fest. So hopefully it's just a matter of time now till, till we release there. And Chloe's family's all in the UK, so they're all really excited for us to get a release. So one way or another, we're going to be there soon. <laughs> Most of them will see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, th thank you so much, Gillian, for having yeah. us. And, and best of luck with your film as well. We can't wait to see it when it uh, drops in the U.S. in October. Yeah, October 2nd. Thank you. That's yeah, exciting. please let me know. Yeah, yeah. So it's on VOD and they're doing like a, it's, it's, they're calling it theatrical, but it's like an online theatrical release. Because okay. Of COVID. Um, so that's October 2nd in USA and Canada. And then we have UK distribution, but not a date. So there's two tentative dates and at the moment nothing's actually locked in. Um, so it's, but it's either Q4 or early Q1 next year. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're, you're very welcome. Thanks for having us.